0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob.
1: And I'm Natasha.
0: This week we are going to be diving into Space Base and its competitor, Bad Company. Or a game that's very similar, I guess. Something like that. And then in the discussion topic, we're actually going to be talking about Board Game Geek. Part of the reason why we're talking about it, the number one game on Board Game Geek has recently changed. So what better (gasps) time to talk about it? than right now right yeah but we actually have a special guest with us to help us with our reviews Natasha why don't you introduce our guest
1: well today we have a special person in my life named Max he's my son he's 11 years old and he loves playing board games with me hi now Max are you a board gamer um yeah you like board games yeah what's your favorite one uh I don't the exit ones. the exit ones yeah I thought you right. were gonna say the unlock games that exit has replaced the unlock games yeah why is that
2: exit has like more like harder stuff in them and I kind of like how like the challenge in them see I think the unlock games are harder you don't think so I don't think
1: so I thought <laughs> I think
2: the unlock games are easier than the exit
1: ah. games. You like the unlock games with the app though, don't you, and the the machines that they do and the Mhm. I also right. hear
0: you like to uh use your cheats every now and again.
1: Uh yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: We've been playing Micro Macro too. We got the newest one that just came out. I think it's the third one, right Max?
2: Yeah, and it's it's harder. It's harder. You think so? Yeah. He's
1: like you want to cheat, mom? I'm like, "No, let me find it." <laughs> Cuz oh, we God. were thinking about how to do it for like 10 minutes. But the, but you can't go back and like redo it. You only get that one time to do it. So no cheating.
0: Did you know that you can create uh, one gigantic map with all of them? There's going to be a fourth one that comes out and you can put them all together.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I found that out when like the second one came out. Yeah, Max noticed
1: it right away when we were playing it. He's like, hold on. And he gets it all out. And he's like, these line up.
2: Yeah. And I could see how, like, the second, third map connects because the tram thing, it goes and it connects. I noticed it right away. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And mom didn't really believe me, did you, mom? <laughs> I did not believe yes. you. I just, yes, yeah, you I love it. it.
0: She, never, she just doesn't believe you, huh? Wow. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> we need to have Max on here more often. Hey Max, I got a question for you. What? Is your mom cool? Yes. <laughs> Dang it. We need where's Parker? We need Parker. We need her.
1: <laughs> My 14-year-old does not think I'm cool.
0: It's funny cuz she goes like back and forth cuz she'll say you know, it's cool that you have a podcast, but it's not cool that you talk about board games on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, so there's definitely this back and forth between it.
1: She thinks I'm cool. She just can't admit it because she's 14. She's not allowed to think her mom's cool.
0: Mm, I don't know. Last I chatted with her, it didn't seem like you were very cool. You were kind of <laughs> cool. You are teetering on the edge.
1: That's pretty darn good. <laughs> Come Especially on. Especially
0: for a 14-year-old.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, man. All right. How about we get into some games?
1: All right. So Space Base It's designed by John D. Clare. The art is by Chris Walton. It's published by AEG. This is a dice open drafting game. So everyone starts off the game with a board out in front of them of 12 cards, one in each sector labeled one through 12. On your turn, you'll roll two dice and activate the card associated with the die roll. So if you roll a four and a five, you could then activate the four sector and the five sector, or you could choose to activate the nine sector. You will usually get one of two, three things, money, which you'll need to buy new cards, victory points to help you win the game, or income, an easier way to earn money each round. At the end of your turn, you can then purchase a new card. Whenever you get a card, you remove the one from the matching sector and replace it with the new card each card has two parts to it. The blue section indicates what you get when you roll the dice on your turn. And if you turn that card upside down, there's a red section at the top. So the card that gets replaced actually gets turned upside down and you slide it above the sector so that you just see the red part that's now at the top of the card. So here's the twist of the game. Whenever it's anyone else's turn, you get to activate those sector sectors that have cards above the board. So at the beginning of the game, everyone's going to start off with just one card above you know, on one random sector. So you're only going to get that benefit. If let's say mine's on the five, I would only get it if anybody else rolled a five die. Um, but then as the game goes along, you're going to be purchasing more and more cards. And now all of a sudden you can have a ton of cards at your top section. So that way, um, on everyone's turn, you might be able to get something or you can put a bunch of cards in one section and have one turn where you just get a whole bunch of stuff. If somebody rolls that, that number that you put all those cards under. What makes the game really fun is how you build your board. So you can build your board like me and try to get one of each section, um, really focusing on you know maybe the popular roles. And so that way, on everyone else's turn, especially in like a five-player game where you're gonna have four turns before it comes back to you, you're gonna get something. You're gonna get a couple coins on everyone's turns. By the time it comes back to you, obviously you've got a lot of money. Or you can play like Max. And focus on like one or two numbers, and and you get nothing if nothing if that number is not rolled. But if that number is rolled, you get a huge payout. And I think that's really the heart and soul of this game is, is just the setting up your board and you know maximizing your plays when it's not your turn.
0: I agree that the strategy behind how you're going to create your board and how you're going to develop. Which numbers are you going to upgrade? How are you going to, you know, make it so you can get stuff with other people's turns? I really enjoy that. I think this game does something that a lot of games really strive to do, and that is player engagement on other people's turns. This game, you are 100% engaged on everyone else's turns, and that's really difficult to come by in a game. Mm Mm-hmm. And again it's that whole idea of okay how am I going to set this up? Am I going to set it up for one gigantic payday or am I going to get little things in chunks? Like I one of the things I enjoy doing is I like to buy upgrades that I know later I can turn them into points. So when other people roll dice, they're scoring me points. So I'm letting other people do my work for me, and so to speak. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that kind of that way of playing this game.
1: It is very engaging and often in the early part of the game you know, you don't have very many cards. So when somebody rolls something that you have, like, yeah, you get that choice. But later on, if you've set yourself up where you can get, you know, the four spot and the five spot or the nine spot, now all of a sudden you've got a decision. So not only do you have things you can do on your turn, on not your turn, but you also have like choices to make when it's not your turn. Like, oh, do I want to get these numbers, which give me money? Or do I want to take this, which gives me points? Well, how much money do I have? And it's interesting this game you all whenever you make a purchase you always spend all of your money. It doesn't matter how much it costs, it co- you have to spend it all. So you want you want to always maximize like the amount of money that you, ha- you be able to spend the maximum amount that you have. So if you're in that range where you're like, well, two coins isn't going to do me a whole lot of good because Nothing that I want to buy costs two coins more than where I'm at. So I might as well take the victory points. And I like that really. I think that mechanic is really interesting.
0: Yeah. And there's also this escalation effect, like you were saying, where you're not doing too much, you're not doing too much, you're not doing too much. And then as you're you're progressing through buying cards, upgrading your board to different things, it just starts this nice ramp effect, effect. So it's you're not doing a ton and then you're doing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then it just escalates the end game.
1: Yeah. I, it's fun.
0: Yeah, it has a real, it had this real nice ramp-up effect into
1: the end game. What do you think about it, Max?
2: I really like it, because, like, you get stuff on other people's turns, and you don't just have to wait through their turns.
1: Mm-hmm. What did you think when, so when you and I played it, we just, most recently we played it was just two-player. What do you think about two-player? You don't get as much on everyone else's turns, because you don't, the, those turns aren't as frequent.
2: I like that version a little bit two player a little bit better because you don't get that many cards on other people's turn but you get Mm -hmm. them on your turn
1: yeah so you can focus more on what your board and the cards that you want right yeah
0: it forces you to approach the game in a different way which i think is good
1: yeah Yeah. it plays really good at five like it's one of the my favorite games at five because it plays so good but I think it's interesting at all player levels and and I like how they're all different. You know, I'm going to have a totally different game when I play at two players and five players. And I like that that game can offer that variety.
0: Yeah, agreed. The fact that you have to think differently at the different player counts really, mm-hmm. I think, gives this game some additional legs because you can choose to play it at those different player counts and still have a rewarding experience. It's not the same game over and over and over again. I also like the fact that the market has a bunch of cards in it and there's three tiers. There's one, two, and three. And obviously the three-tier cards are significantly better than the one-tier cards, mm-hmm. but that they're also more expensive. So you have to start developing these strategies. And you talked about spending all your money at once, which it kind of sucks, but at the same time, you often are in a position where as soon as you get enough money to buy the card you want, you're buying it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily hurt that often, but then they have this basically like income, which you spend all your money, go down to zero, and then you automatically bring your money cube up to wherever your income level is. So if you spent the game developing this income, all of a sudden now you're buying cards like a little bit more rapidly. You don't have to collect as much coin because you already have an income to turn a turn a turn, which I also really like.
1: Yeah, Max did that in the last game, didn't you? He had, like, an income of, what, seven? And so he could buy a level, almost a level two card for free every time, even if he didn't earn any money on yeah. his turn. So then he could focus on, like, getting points, and then he was constantly. So he didn't need to focus on, like, collecting money. Like I did. I had zero income. I needed money each turn. So it was it was cool. Yeah. It was different. It's hard to talk about this game without comparing it to Machi Coral, the or- originator of... Like rolling the dice, and you get something, and your opponents get something on their turn. Um, I I think this game is like a a big step up for Machi Koro. is very simple, very light. I think the Legacy Max and I played the Legacy, and that was a lot of fun. But um, but this is kind of like the next step for it. I think Machi Koro is just a little too too light.
0: This they've taken the concept behind Machi Koro Machi Koro and refined it and made it better. I was mm-hmm. never a fan of Machi Koro. I just for whatever reason it never. And it never really stuck really well for me. I never enjoyed that game too much. I played it a couple times and I'm like, "Ah, I'm good.
1: Yeah, it's very bland.
0: Yeah, this game I keep kind of coming back to and coming back to because I enjoy it.
1: How
2: do you, what do you think of this
1: game compared to Machi Coral Max?
2: I like this game better than Machi Coral. Yeah. I don't really. Yeah, because you get upgrade cards, but like Machu Carl, there's only like a, a few cards and like you get all those cards in your turn, but it's just like you get, there's more stuff to do in, in spaces. With, yeah. Compared to Monty Carl.
0: It's more robust, more robust of an experience for sure. All right. So what are you guys rating it?
2: I'm rating it
1: a solid nine. I love this game. And every time I play it, I'm like, this is so fun. It's just fun. It's quick. It's you can play about forty five minutes. Plays multiple ranges. You can teach newbies. You know it's got some cards in there that are a little bit more complicated. So, you, but you don't need to teach those at the beginning of the game. You can just kind of teach the game, and then as those cards come up, you can explain what they mean. And people that find them a little bit too confusing, they can just ignore those confusing cards. So, I think this is a great game, and I would hap- I happily introduce it to people that don't
2: play board games, and it's gone over very well for me.
0: What are you rating it, Max?
2: I rate it a seven. Because I like the like upgrading cards and then like doing stuff on other people's turns and like I some I must have forget about this game but then when someone wants to play it I'm like okay yeah you're always down to play it huh mm-hmm.
0: yeah I'm gonna come in at in eight I really enjoy this game as well I uh I one of the things you just said Natasha is you can teach new players but you don't have to teach them what some of the cards are until they come out I think. That is an incredible strength for this game is the basic concept of how to play the game is fairly straightforward. The complexity comes in the strategy that you develop and the cards that you're buying. And the thing is you don't actually have to explain any of that stuff in the beginning, which I really love is you flip a card and if it's all of a sudden complicated, you can be like, okay, this is what this card means. But it's also one of those things that as a new player, you can completely avoid those cards and still do extremely well in this game.
1: Yep. All right, so I recommend this game for folks that are looking for a family-style family, family style game. I would say, like, older kid, like, 8-plus. Um, if you're looking for a welcoming game or if you're like, just looking for a nice 45-1-hour short game with some meat to it that's interesting and fun. I recommend it for quite a few people, actually. I think this is um, a, a fairly well universally lo- liked game. I don't know anybody who doesn't like Space Base. Agreed. So that's Space Base.
0: All right, next up, we're going to talk about Bad Company, which is a dice-rolling contract fulfillment game designed by Kenneth Min, Elif Svensson, and Christian Otzby, and are by German Bone, published by Aporta Games. In this game, players are gang leaders trying to complete heists, recruit new members, and outrun the police. They will do this by taking turns rolling dice to activate their different gang members. So at the start of the game, players will be randomly assigned two player boards, which combine to form your gang name along with some money and initial heist cards. Players will be taking turns until the game end is triggered. On a player's turn, they will roll five dice. Four of these dice will combine to make two pairs, which will then activate the different gang members on their player board, while the fifth die moves the police car on the main city board. Each member of your board has a skill icon, four of which are used to complete heists, which are a mask, flashlight, lock, and glove. When you activate one of these spots, you're going to take a token and cover up the corresponding symbol on one of your heist cards, There are two additional symbols, one of which will give you money, and the other moves your car on the city board. Moving your car can give you money, it can give you loot cards, and it is also how the game end is triggered. While the player who rolls the dice uses both sets of dice, the other players get to choose one of the sets and activate their own player board. After players have activated their gang members, they can then upgrade. You have to pay money, which increases the more upgrades you do, but then you draw three upgrade cards, choose one. Now that action becomes that much more lucrative. Players will continue taking turns, completing heist cards for points until the game end is triggered. Then there's one final turn and the player with the most points wins. I think what makes this game fun is, again, that engagement on other people's turns because you are getting to be able to do stuff with them. And I think that's part of the reason why this game tends to get compared quite a bit to Space Base is because it has a very similar feel of other people are rolling dice and you're taking those dice and you're doing something with them as well.
1: Yes, that is. but I think that's about the only thing that they have in common, is you roll the dice, you activate the dice, but everyone else gets to activate one of the dice as well and get to do one thing. Other than that, I feel like the game plays very differently. It's just, the I feel like the heart and soul of the game is not the same.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. It's interesting because I feel like there's more to do in Bad Company than there is Space Base. But I also feel like Bad Company is simpler in terms of decisions. You don't have as many meaningful decisions and strategy building in that game as you would, let's say, a space base. You definitely yeah. have more things going on, um, especially because instead of you know victory points, money, and income, you have a variety of other things. You have those four different symbols to complete your heist cards. Then you have the money symbol, and then you have your car symbol, which... The car symbol allows you to move your car forward, which is going to give you money, which is good. It's also going to give you loot cards, which can be a variety of things. It can be icons to cover up heist cards. It could be money. It could be a variety of things. I will say the one one of the big differences for me... I The way I see it is there's two big differences between this game and Space Base. And the reason why I'm going to gravitate towards Space Base before I gravitate towards Bad Company. The first being in player engagement on other people's turns space space does it better that said like you're paying attention to the turns but you don't get to pick what you do with the dice you have to wait for that player to decide the pair that they're making so honestly i don't even pay attention to what they're playing i just wait for them to say all right we're doing a six and a nine all right cool then i have then i pick one
1: mm-hmm. and you have a choice you get to pick the six or the nine but usually it's very obvious like okay what do i want do i want more do I rather have more money or rather have this? It's, or have, maybe I have one card that's built up.
0: And then the other the other big difference for me is upgrading. And that's where I found this game, for me, lacking. I'm, I'm going to come out and say it right now. I don't like this game nearly as well as Space Base. So this review is going to be reflective on that. But the biggest thing with the upgrades is you draw three upgrade cards and you get to pick one. And there was times where I would draw three and it would literally be three of the same number. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, wanna, like, I'm clearly going to pick that, but it's not what I'm looking for. I don't want an additional three card. I'd much mm-hmm. rather have a six, seven, something like that, because those are going to repeat. And I also found myself very rarely taking either the money or the car symbol. So I barely even moved my car.
1: Yeah. And and I, I, I really wanted to be able to do upgrades, so I focused on trying to get a lot of money and I just lucked in or out of getting money each round, you know. I I don't like so one of the, the charm of space space is you can set up your board. You can do one of each card in each column, or you can focus on making a big group. In space in bad company, you're encouraged to you really only want to upgrade each character one time because anything you cover up again, you don't get the points for. You get a point for upgrading your character, but you only get the point on the top card. So if you continue to upgrade all those times you upgrade, those points don't count. So you're really incentivized to just give one upgrade to each character and and you're kind of locked in the number of times you can do it. You can, There's not unlimited. It's going to end like once you move along that track, then you're done upgrading. So what made space based fun is the upgrades, making the cards better and better. This did not have that. It, it it did it a little bit, but but to a very different extent, to a very different point. You're kind of spreading across the board and in, in this game you're using two dice and you're rolling and you're combining them together always. Where in space base, you only have two dice, and you can either keep them separate or combine them. This one you have four dice and you're combining two of them, so you're very often going to end up in that six seven eight range high, high likelihood
0: yeah, I will say um I do enjoy the artwork better in bad company, I do like the artwork uh the theme is cool too I do. <laughs> One of the funnier things is when you initially get your two sheets of gang members, they're somewhat asymmetrical, so different numbers are going to activate different symbols, but one card has a name, the other card has a name. So you put them together and you have a gang name. And my boy Max over there, <laughs> <laughs> put, what was yours that you Dude, put together?
2: it was totally random.
0: Yeah, totally random.
2: It was emotional pimples.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's about as good as you can possibly get oh man oh that was so good
1: yeah i i agree i like the theme um of bad company a lot i think the artwork is all tongue-in-cheek it's super cute yeah it looks really good the theme is fun you're traveling along this board completing these heists are fun It's get some set collection where you want to try to get the most of the type of good you know, and then there's some cards in there that give you points. Like, I was going for gold, so then I got a card that gave me a point for each gold. So, you, there's different ways of end game scoring with the heist cards and stuff that you complete. So, I think that is really fun.
0: I do say, like, gang members, but it's, like, cartoony-esque, like, Pink Panther. Ah, see, I'm going to go rob myself a bank, see? Like, this yeah, old it, school kind of, yeah, tongue-in-cheek.
1: And then as you're making the characters, you're extending their torso, like, so they just look even sillier. It's it's goofy fun. I think the theme really comes across. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Um the the theme is what makes it fun. Max, what do you think of the game?
2: I like it because you like you have more things to do than just like get the coins or the things that you get when you get the cards. You get more than that
1: when you mm-hmm. do it. So you like uh you like um Bad Company then? Yeah.
0: Do you like it better? than space space
2: i like it better than space really yeah what do, why do you like it better because um i like the artwork and like having to move your car like i any chance i could move my car i moved my car so like i was like the <laughs> first one so like i the game ended really quickly because i just i just went through it yeah oh yeah it has more mechanics because like you get of your car and upgrade, you need like these certain amount of coins, and then you put them on this little board, kind of, to move yeah. it up and stuff. So you like that you get to do all
1: kinds of different things. It's not just yeah. cards and upgrades. You're you're you've got the other board, the cards, and then you have got the point track, the upgrade track. You're collecting the heist cards. You're just doing lots of stuff. That's what you like about it. Yeah, there's a lot more going on. Mm-hmm.
0: There is definitely quite a few things you can focus on you know max definitely pushed the game forward he was taking as many times as he could get his car to move he was so he was pushing that end game pretty quickly which is I, honestly a valid strategy i do that type of thing in those types of uh games like maracaibo is a prime example i try to push the end game quickly and everyone gets mad at me about it but
2: the mm-hmm. more time
0: i give you the more points you can score I mean that's a completely valid strategy, and there's there's other things you can do like, like, you know pulling off those heist cards, moving your vehicle, like moving around the track to upgrade. It just playing it, it just felt I just felt wanting, if that makes sense. I wanted more out of it. Yeah, that's how it came down for me.
1: I agree. I feel like it was very simple. Uh, okay, here's how I'd put it. I'd put it matchy coral, then bad company, then space in order of complexity it's It's sure. a step up for Matsu Horo. It's more interesting than that for sure. I think this is the the advantages to this game is the theme is better, the artwork's better. It's a really good family game. I think it's a lot easier to teach to get the rule book out and teach yourself if you're not used to teaching learning in more complex games. This is a little bit easier yep. than space base. I think it's not. Like Space Base just flipping the card over that can kind of be a little bit confusing and what can I activate in my turn and what's not. This is very straightforward. Um, I think this would be a great game to sell at Target. You know, it it's it's it would be a really interesting game for people that don't play a lot of interesting games.
0: Yes. I I agree with that. A hundred percent. Yeah. So what are you rating this game?
1: I'm rating it a six. I I enjoyed it, I thought it was fun, but it's not something I choose to play again. I think I played it cool. I'm good.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Max, what do you what are you rating this game?
2: I rate it an eight.
0: Oh, okay, you really like it.
2: Yeah, I really like it.
0: Uh, I'm with Natasha on this. I am also coming in at a six. And the thing is, if I had never played Space Base, there's a good chance that this game might be rated higher. But the problem is, when I'm playing it, I want the experience of Space Base being able to upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. And develop a strategy, whereas this one you're just kind of more manipulating some pieces and and different things like that. Like Max was saying, there's a lot more mechanics to it, but it's simpler in terms of developing that strategy. I still think if you like Space Base, this game you could very well like. I know, I think Mike Delisio said this was a Space Base killer for him. It isn't for me, and obviously is isn't for Natasha, but... Mm-hmm. I, I still think this game, I think, like you said, it can be sold in target. I think it's very tongue in cheek, has that family friendly kind of feel to it specifically because it doesn't, the game doesn't take itself seriously. I mean, Max had like four or five cards on one thing and the dude's arm looked like it was like 15 feet long. It was hilarious. <laughs> like it was super funny. Yeah. And you're, like had massive torso, huge <laughs> arms, but like stubby legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah it was if you like space space there's a good chance you're going to like this game so
1: I would recommend it uh still if you're interested in a family style game you know if yeah. you think you've got family members that that would appreciate the theme and you know you're trying to get people to play games that don't play a lot of games or if you're new into the hobby this would be a great introduction for you
0: I agree yeah I agree uh so yeah that is bad company that's going to wrap up the games we're talking about this week max Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for talking about these games. We appreciate it. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Board Game Geek. All right. Welcome back. We are now going to be discussing the website of websites when it comes to board gaming, and that is Board Game Geek.
1: I love Board Game Geek. I use it all the time.
0: Yeah, agreed. It's if if you're a gamer, you go on Board Game Geek. I mean, we had that conversation with my wife. And are you a board gamer? And she would send me Board Game Geek links, mm-hmm. and I would be like, "Well, obviously, you know." She's just like, "Well, I would Google it. and That's the first thing that came up." Exactly. There's a you're reason Googling why it comes games. up. Yeah. You're a board gamer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, the the main reason why we're talking about this, and I guarantee you, everyone in the industry is going to be talking about it, is the Board Game Geek has a ranking system for every game that was ever created. Kind of. There are games that people have made that aren't on there. I think you actually have to go on there and do it. Anyway, uh, the number one game of all time was Gloomhaven for quite a few years, and it was recently surpassed by a game called Brass Birmingham. So it's kind of a big deal when a new number one game comes along. Pandemic Legacy Season 1 was one of the it was the number one for the longest time, and then it was overtaken by Gloomhaven and now Brass has kind of slid its way in there.
1: Which is unusual because Brass is an older game, you know. Pandemic Legacy came up, well, right after it came out. Then Gloomhaven, right after it came out. You know, now Brass Birmingham has slowly beaten them all. That's that's weird.
0: Yeah, it's it was like this slow trudge up this gigantic mountain to get to the top. It was it almost felt like Pandemic Legacy season one and Gloomhaven got like airlifted into the top of the mountain. And we're just like, here you go, you're on top of the thing. And then Brass Birmingham had to do the, like the hard way of like, let's just climb up slowly, do 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 do. And the thing is, Brass Birmingham to your to what you said is it's an older game, but not. So Roxley took Brass and and did a ran a Kickstarter. They did Brass Lancashire, which was exactly Brass all over again, new artwork, just just everything exactly the same. And then they took Brass Birmingham and basically added a little bit to it to make it a little bit better. And that is the game that has overtaken it. But yeah, it's this like slow, slow trudge. Even a game like Ark Nova, which is new, you know, for us, it says 2021, but we weren't able to get it until 2022. I mean, it's number mm-hmm. four. Yeah. So it's it's well on its way to overtaking brass.
1: Yeah, it could. It's got the least amount of ratings of the top four. So that that could be why it's the number four, because of the volume of ratings.
0: Well, the, the, there's two ratings that people talk about on board game geek. There's the the average rating, and then mm-hmm. there's the geek rating, and the list is a, is uh, sorted by Geek rating, which is an algorithm that I have no idea what they do with it. It has something to do with there's a bunch of like dummy votes that get factored in, so like if a game comes out and it's, it has 10 votes and they're all 10, it won't skyrocket to the number one. So there's a, they have an algorithm on how they do it. Mm-hmm. What it is, I I have no idea. Whatever, I it, They figured it out behind scenes. I
1: imagine. I imagine they at least use a number of voters in there too. Like if you have a a game that has a average score of ten, but has ten votes, nobody's really interested in that one, right?
0: Well, they they also have to factor in the uh, people being petty. So, <laughs> no joke. I I saw something, and I, it was maybe on Facebook or something like that, and it was. As soon as Brass overtook, there was rating uh, one ratings for Brass over the last several months, right? People who rated the game a one. In November, it was like six. December, it was like five. January, it was like seven. February, when it overtook it, like 63.
1: Oh, it's got 239 number one votes. Like a, a voting score of one. Like who would give it a one? That's so not real.
0: No, it's not even. Yeah, I mean, come on. That game is that game is phenomenal. First off, like, I mean, any board game I would like, even
1: give like I like I don't know that Star Wars game that I play with you, Outer Rim. Like, I give that one like at least a five. You know, and i don't what like is not it at all. What did you
0: give Uno Showdown? Remember that your favorite game of all time? <laughs> that one is a one.
1: That's a one game. <laughs> Candyland is one. a one game. I don't even care if you give, I say uno, like regular uno, is like a three. Uh, but if you want to give that a one, fine. You know, like a a decent, well-produced board game, like even if you hate it, it's not a one. Oh my God.
0: I know. And the thing is, like the spite that people had with it when they went in February when it overtook it, went from like four, number, four one votes five one votes 63 like come on guys really Uh you want to knock it off it's better it it took i mean it doesn't get there
1: i buy the fives like give it a five if you hate it you know like yeah i give poop bingo i think a three or a four (laughs) maybe even a five
0: you know what i miss natasha i miss you talking about these stupid games can you start doing these stupid games with your kids just go to go to like I don't care. Anywhere. And buy the worst game ever. Thrift let's stores. Just...
1: I'm not buying them from the regular store.
0: <laughs> Please, I'm I on know. it. There's so many there's so that. many
1: bad games though. I'm
0: yeah. Yeah. I think you should. I think Max would love it. You know, he's he even admitted to himself earlier today that uh he is a board gamer, so I'm sure he would be down.
1: <laughs> yeah, he like. well he does like playing he likes playing all those stupid monopolies. So we could do yeah. that. We could rate all the monopolies. I even give them like a three.
0: Uh yeah no no bueno so yeah um this just gives us an opportunity to talk about board game geek because honestly as a board gamer and like you said it you love it I I use board game geek all the time all the time
1: mm-hmm. but I don't put any stock into the top 100 because let me tell you why these top 100 games these are diehard board gamers that are re that are rating them so that's who's rating these games so just because a game like brass birmingham is number one does not mean that you're gonna like the game it is a very heavy game and the problem with like these heavy games that a lot of people really love is that not very many people play them so the ones that do play them love them and the people who know like you're like okay i know i'm not gonna like brass birmingham you're not gonna play it so you're never gonna rate it or like games like Azul, wingspan like everyone's gonna play it and if they don't like it they're gonna give it a lower rating where nobody's out there giving unless they're um, trolls but like nobody's out there giving uh, brass Birmingham a, a five or a six that actively don't like it. Cause they're just not playing it.
0: It's a good metric to look at the top 100 and say, all right, these are some of the best games ever made. But at the same time, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Cause it's not necessarily the best games ever made for you. Like there's games on this top 100 that you and I are both like, no, no, thank you. There's no reason for me to want to play this. And the other thing I want to quick talk about is, a, so we talked about, I, I mentioned it already slightly, Arc Nova and it's skyrocket to number four within a year. There's also what I will refer to as the Tom Vassell effect, where mm. since he is one of the biggest content creators, he is the biggest content creator when it comes to games. His number one game of all time has shifted to Arc Nova. And because of that, it has gotten a lot more buzz and a lot more people are wanting to play it because it's hit his number one game of all time. And the Mm -hmm. man's played thousands upon thousands of games. He Mm -hmm. shuffled through all of it and came up with this as being his favorite game. So that's naturally going to see more people are going to be more interested in a game like that. But again, it's it's one of those things that take that top 100 with a grain of salt.
1: Yeah, I'm looking through the comments on Brass Birmingham and uh, like the the first number one comment that that somebody gave it a one was like Gloomhaven's better. (laughs) <laughs> they went in there <laughs> just to rate press.
0: That's right. what I'm saying. It's the spite. It's like spite, <laughs> the spite level, level, right? Like why? Oh, well, and it's me. um
1: because I like to rely on these statistics. I think they're interesting. Like why are you fudging them? Just give it like a five. Oh.
0: Yeah, it, it it um it reminds me of uh, Kickstarter games. So when you when people are have a game on Kickstarter and it's not released, no one's ever played it. It's not even on tabletop simulator. It's just a concept game. They've already made a board game geek page for it. And you log on to it, and it's literally the day the Kickstarter started. Nobody's known about it. You go in there, it already has 15 votes. Four of them are tens because they're like, the artwork is awesome. Three of them are like, or five of them are ones. They're just like, this game looks stupid. You haven't played it. How are you <laughs> rating a game you have not played? Just because a game looks stupid doesn't mean it's not going to be good yeah. or it's going to like, it like Ethnos is a prime example. That game looks awful, which is getting a reprint. It's getting a reprint and a retheme. Uh, I am, yes. oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for that game. It just, man. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna get off topic. Ethnos, thank you. Reprint, better artwork. Uh the th- whatever. I don't care. New theme. Anyway, but that's the thing. Why? Why go in there and rate a game you've never played?
1: Yeah, that bugs me.
0: Sometimes I don't even rate the games I play because I don't like it. Especially if it's a game like. If it's a deduction style game, you need to take my rating with a grain of salt, because yeah. I don't like those games.
1: Right, which you means know? you're not gonna you're not gonna rate it, which is fine, because you're not gonna play the game. Right. You know, if you end up playing it, then certainly you can rate it, and that's that's good information to have. But yeah, whatever. Pfft. People are ruining it. It's not a it's not a Board Game Geeks fault, and there's nothing they can really do about it because I don't want them to like delete one scores. You know, it's fine if people think it's a one.
0: In the infamous, infamous Natasha phrase, it's a people problem.
1: It, it's a people problem. <laughs> All right, one of my favorite things to do on Board Game Geek. Yes, what th- do you okay, use it Actually, for. my favorite thing to do is look up rules. Second favorite thing is print um, rules, rule like um, uh, cards. Like they'll do like one page documents, like setup cards or like pay uh, references. Those are those are really good to have. Board game Geek, people will put those together and post them on Board Game Geek. You can just pick them up there. I've also printed off rules for games I bought in other languages. Um, and then I needed to read the rules. So that's helpful. Another thing I like to do is go to their their dashboard there. They've got this hotness thing on there where they've got the top ten trending games, the ones people are talking about. Of course, Brass Birmingham is number four because everyone's talking about it because it's moved up. Yeah. But other games that come up there like Earth is another one that's um Dice Tower just did a review on that. They loved it and I cannot wait for yeah. this game. I'm so excited. Um, I love I the so that. You backed it.
0: I almost did. I just. It's ugh, gonna man, come I to retail. It's fine. Yeah. Nah, um. There you go. That's part of the reason why I didn't.
1: But anything people are talking about show up there. They've got videos and stuff that c- have come out, featured videos. It's it's just kind of a fun place to browse too.
0: Yeah. They. It just. Yeah. What games are trending? What games do you see that are coming out? It kind of gives you this foresight of. Oh, if you wanted a quick overview of games that are coming out. In soonish, just go on their hotness. You mm-hmm. can see what kind of games are coming out. Yeah, I agree. They get
1: Kickstarter, uh, uh, crowdfunding countdown too for games that are, you know, Kickstarter is about to end.
0: Yeah the the wealth of information that you can get on Board Game Geek is incredible, and the thing is, most of it is user created. Like you talked about the creating some of those like rules and stuff like that. I don't know how many times I've needed a question answered that the rule book hasn't addressed. I Google it and there's a forum on Board Game Geek about it. So then you can kind of go through the forum and you can read through it. And then designers of the game will actually answer the question on the forums. So, yeah. you know, from the designer that this was the thing it was supposed to do. You know, the, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times people are just like, oh, I printed off this player aid from Board Game Geek for this game. And give mm-hmm. it to people just because a game doesn't necessarily have it. There's just yep. so much information there.
1: They've got videos. Any kind of videos that people have made, they'll be linked in there. If you want to learn how to play it, that's a great way to learn that. It's a wealth of resources.
0: There's Yeah, there's a, there. you can keep track of your own stuff, your own collection. You can do your log plays. They have guilds that you can be a part of. We should create a guild. Should we create a guild? I don't know. If you guys want us to create a guild, email us. BoardGameShenanigans at gmail.com.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I like to browse some of their forums. They also have some uh, thrift. Um, what do they call it? The for sale games. Like if you're going to a convention, they'll post uh, games for sale in, in one of the forums, and you can purchase oh, like games the, from other yeah, people.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Origins it. has a has a. These are the games that are. You go uh, out not, here if you're trying to sell games.
1: Yeah, a market that you can then go in and and and. Um, Buy games from other people and then meet them at the conventions and stuff. That that that's useful if you can find those threads.
0: You know what else I actually like doing when it comes to like conventions is a lot of times they'll have a list of, all right, this convention's coming up. These are the games that are going to be released at this convention, or these are the games listed for demo. So you can kind of go through and have a good idea of like, okay, these are the types of games. Now that said, there are exceptions to that because there's going to be times where like shipping. There's been a game I'm excited for that I'll show up and I'll be like, hey, do you have this game? And they're like, it just shipped. We don't have it with us. It was supposed to be here, but it got caught up in shipping, blah, blah, blah. So there, that does tend to happen from time to time. But I love going through that and seeing what, what games are getting released at the convention I'm going to. Because then I can be like, all right, I'm real excited about this. Let me find that booth and let me head that way. You know. One last thing that I do want to talk about before uh, we wrap this up is they have a geek up upgrade thing that they have is like geek bits I don't remember the exact name of it you know but you if you go to the board game geek store you can get like these upgraded components for your games for example you can get upgraded uh plastic pieces for Quacks of Quedlinburg. or I keep I keep my eye on the upgrades for Lahav for all the little plastic goods that you're going to get it's also like close to the cost of the game so it, <laughs> It makes it a little bit more difficult. And they have different promos and different things like that. But like some of those Geek Up bits I have purchased in the past and they're awesome. So if you're looking to like upgrade your game, Etsy is not necessarily the only place you can go. So Board Game Geek definitely has some upgraded stuff you can do.
1: Yeah, I'm looking through these right now. They're really, really nice looking.
0: And they're plastic, they're chunky. It's almost like getting a k- Kickstarter version of it's something.
1: $48, they're sold out. That's probably why it's so expensive for the half set.
0: No, they're not Not because they're sold out. It's because there's so many good tiles. That's the reason.
1: Because there's so many of them, yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know how many times you've tried to convince me to buy them, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then I just don't it's do it. It's kind of expensive. Yeah, you it's hard to pull the that trigger game on very it. Often.
1: Yeah. It's a game that just doesn't get played as often. Yeah, even it, as much
0: as I may love that game it doesn't but uh, I think that's going to wrap up this discussion topics that's what we think of uh, board game geek
1: that's our show for this week thanks for listening to our shenanigans join us next week please leave us a review and check us out on Instagram or Facebook send us your questions let us know what you like board game geek for at boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com thanks for listening
0: see you next week